And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A very good evening to everyone. How are we? Good? Anyway, um, it is so good to be with you guys. Another Friday, and we pray that the Lord Jesus is going to send us a message deliver a message to all of us and whatever you are you may be thinking of and um, questioning about something an issue in your life I pray that you have an answer this evening from the Lord himself uh, any new faces for this first time with us uh, show of hands yes one two that's good three four that's good that's oh, and a young man over here as well beautiful beautiful that's very good. Welcome, uh, very warm welcome to all the new faces, and I hope um, it's not going to be the, f the last time either. And I, um, hope, I look forward to seeing you um, on a regular basis, God willing. This evening, um, we're going to start with uh, answering a few questions with the Lord's grace. What makes Christianity right and all other religions wrong? Because when you invoke the name Christianity, it just feels good, you know? <laughs> That's a good question, actually. <laughs> I believe one thing. Since we all can comprehend this and acknowledge this, that we are an intellectual beings, and God has put in us this powerful tool called the brain, I believe everybody should really use it however with an open mind and not being fanatic about it as far as the christian faith 
is concerned, the Lord Jesus always, always expressed it very clearly and very uh, strongly that you need to ask and you need to search in order for you to find the truth. Because God will never ever go against any of His works. Whatever God has put into this world and into the human race, whatever God has put into all of His creations, God will never contradict what He has created. God would not put a brain in us and then come back and say to us, do not use it. Because it does not make sense logically. Since we are intellectually capable of questioning and, and searching and arguing a case, then therefore, when we are searching for this divine God, the creator of everything that is visible and invisible, we need to search somewhere there is to be a start for it. And since we are talking about believing in God, therefore we need to search in a book that would reflect this God. Now, if you go to all the religions of the world, there is a lot of teachings in them. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, and all the isms out there. And even atheism is a belief. It is an ideology where an atheist comes and says, I believe in nothing. Well, you are believing in something. That something is nothing. But you are believing in it at the end of the day. So there is no such thing that I don't believe in nothing. Everybody believes in something. Now, when you come and make a good research in all the religions of the world, and then come to the Christian faith, and I'm saying this with utmost love and respect to all the religions in the world. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to say this is right and this is wrong. But what I'm saying, I leave it to everyone's intellectual understanding. And if you are searching with a, a good intent, a, um, a simple intent, an open-minded intent, I believe this divine God, He is capable enough to lead you to the truth. Christianity, does. we do not need to actually preserve the faith, protect the faith, and look after the faith. The owner of the Christian faith is more than capable of actually protecting his own teachings. And that is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's a sensitive area, I must say. It's a very sensitive area because when you talk about belief, it is not an easy thing to come and talk to someone who has believed in a particular path and in a particular way for many, many years, and you come and try and change their way of belief and their way of thinking overnight. So you need to be extremely careful on how to approach this kind of issue without causing any damage or being an offensive person uh, far from it. The Lord Jesus always taught us to be respectful towards others, understanding toward others, appreciative of others, but always speak the truth with love. Speak the truth with love. We can say that the creator of all mankind, as far as the human level is concerned, we can say that he is one. 
For one reason we can say that, because all human beings, regardless of what your religious background is, all of us are made the same way. I don't think a Christian has three eyes or one eye or four eyes. Everybody got two eyes, everybody's got one head, two hands and legs and so on. So when it comes to the actual structure of this human being, we could tell that the creator of this human being is one. Why? Because if there was more than one God, if there was more than one God, therefore there is more than one way of thinking. If there was another brain out there, then that brain would, would have thought in a different way to this other brain. All of us here, we all have a brain, but we have our own different understandings and perspective of life and insight of life. So since we are all equal, we have the same blood uh, and the same physical structure, therefore we can say that the creator of this human being is one because we are all the same. Since there is only one divine God that is the creator of everyone and everything, it is again impossible, it is again impossible for this God to come and say one thing here and totally a different thing over here. God, God's attributes are all equal. There is no conflict, there is no contradiction in the divinity of God. Meaning, His love is as equal as His justice, as His mercy, as His kindness. There is nothing greater than the other. If any of His attributes is greater or lesser than the other, God would not be a perfect God. And if God is not perfect, then He would be changing His mind all the time. Why do we change our minds all the time? Because not, we are not perfect. We are not perfect. One day a question was asked, God is perfect, explain. God is perfect, explain. Sometimes and quite often we say words, but we haven't paid enough attention at the words we really say. I love you, explain. I hate you, <laughs> explain. So God is perfect, explain. Why is God perfect? Is He because we imagine that He is full of knowledge? He knows everything, He sees everything, that's why He's perfect? No. Every being, listen to this, every being came to being externally, without. Every being came to being externally. The only being that came within is God Himself. Meaning, I could not have created myself unless someone prior to me created me. Now, humanly level speaking, mom and dad, they got married, poor thing, I feel sorry for them, and they brought me to life. So. I was created externally by someone else. The only being that came into being by His being is God the Almighty. Therefore, He is the only one that existed within, not without. In this, He is perfect. 
It is impossible for this perfect God to speak different languages. It is just impossible. I'm saying this out of all love and respect. When, when we look at the religions of the world, all of the religions of the world, you compare them to the Bible, there is a humongous difference. Not just little, a humongous difference. In saying this, can God write one book here and write totally a different book here and over here and over here and then expect us to make it to Him with different paths and different views altogether? If God says one thing to me and something else to you, then what is He trying to get to? What is He trying to achieve? Is He trying to deceive us? Is he trying to confuse us? God is a God of clarity. He is not a God of confusion. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said, I am the light of the world. When you are in the light, everything is clear. There is nothing to be confused about. There is nothing to be worried about and thinking and then not knowing where are you heading and what are you doing? And you don't know what is expecting, what is coming your way on your path. When you are in the light, everything is very clear. One of the differences, this is honestly, that, that is a long, long, long topic. You know, it's, it requires several sessions to talk about this. One of the main differences, without coming to the Lord Jesus yet, Christianity is not a religion in the sense of religion. And I'm saying this to the Christians before I say it to anyone else. Christianity is not a religion and please get this very clear in your head. Christianity is not a religion in the sense of a religion. Why? Because the moment you invoke the word religion, you are straight away you are putting a set of rules, guidelines, laws, and regulations. The moment you invoke the word religion, you are putting rules, laws, guidelines to it straight away. All the religions of the world, all the religions of the world, you go to them, they will tell you, unless you do this and this and this and this, you don't have a good chance of making it to a good place. But if you do this and this and this and this, you are in deep trouble. So what determines the outcome of your well-being is when you are able of doing certain rules, guidelines, regulations, and laws. Maybe you've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. Anyone that comes and says, I believe in God, I will ask this person the following question or actually questions they say we believe in God and I say I believe in God as well but I've got a question I need to ask you if you only believe in God and God alone only then my question to you have you seen God the answer will be 100% no can you ever see God 100% the answer will be no. Do you understand God? No. Can you ever understand Him fully? No. Can you reach Him? No. Can you ever reach Him? 
No. Then aren't you lying when you say, I worship God or I believe in God? How can you believe in someone that you cannot see, that you have never seen and you cannot see, that you never understood and you can't understand him, you can't reach him and you can never reach that God, then how can you come back and say, I believe in God? It's a very contradicting statement. All the religions of the world, they say you need to do this. Certain things you must, be, must be done by you through your strength and hard work. You got to do them in order for you to be able to get somewhere. Christianity, totally different. Not just slightly or totally different. Totally different. Christianity says you can't do nothing. Absolutely nothing. You can only do one thing. This guy, this good-looking Jewish guy, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, what you can do is accept this guy in your life. And when you accept him in your life as your Lord, as your Savior, as your God, as your good shepherd, the one who looks after you as the king of your life, when you accept him in your life, then he will do everything that needs to be done through you in order for you to make it in a good place. He says, without me, not that you can do 10% or 5% or 1%. Jesus says you can't do absolutely zilt, nothing. And that is in the Gospel of John 15, 5. Without me, you cannot do nothing. So Christianity in this case is not a religion, but Christianity is a belief in a person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Two different concepts altogether. I think it'll be the topic of the rest of the night. I'm sorry. That's a good question, you know. It's a good question. Islam is a monadic religion, meaning they believe in one God and one God only concept. It's a monadic religion. All the other pantheistic religions or worldviews, they say that if you are really, really good, like really, really good, and you, you score a 99.99999 out of 100, what you are able to do is you're going to get very close to this power out there, this some, something out there, and you're going to be one in that light. So at the end, you're going to sort of fade in that God somewhere out there, and you're gonna, you won't be seen anymore. You won't be seen anymore. You'll be so close to that power, to that light. He's going to take all, over all of you. You're going to perish. Like melt in that power. If you go to a Buddhist and you say, what is the ultimate that you can achieve here on earth? That's in Buddhism. I like Buddha. What is the ultimate you can achieve here on earth? They strive, even their monks, they strive to actually kill the desire that is in them. They strive to kill the desire. That's their aim. Because they think that when I am able to achieve this, kill the desires, therefore I'm not going to make mistakes anymore then I don't know why the Dalai Lama 
was desiring to bring back Nepal. Why is he desiring to bring back that country? If he doesn't have any desires anymore, then he should give up on everything. Actually, the topic that I chose for tonight was from the Gospel of John, but then, I don't know, maybe the Holy Spirit said to me, don't do it, do it question and answer. So maybe I was waiting for this. And the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, verse 1, when St. John talks about the Lord Jesus, he actually starts the Gospel with the following words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, earlier I said, have you seen God? No. Can you see Him? No. Can you reach Him? Can you understand Him? No, 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 no. Why St. John is referring to the Lord Jesus as the Word? Because the Word operates in three ways. Just like the Christian faith, the Christian belief, we believe in this divine God being three in one and one in three. And quite often this concept of God is misunderstood even within the Christian worldview. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the Trinitarian God. God is one. He's not three. There is no three gods. There is only one God. But this one God cannot be just one and one only as it is in the Islamic faith. With all love and respect. The monadic faith. Islam believes that God is only one and cannot be more than one. But in the Christian faith, we believe that God has to be three in one and one in three. It cannot be any other way. Because in a simple term, if I ask someone who believes in this one God, does God talk? He's going to say yes, of course. Then when God talks, who is he talking with? When he talks to himself, if he's just one, then who is he talking with? I've got a problem here with this one God concept. I'll make it more simpler. And maybe you've heard this from me before. If I give you a mathematical equation and I ask you to solve it for me, you'll go away, come back after a little while and say, I solved this mathematical equation. I'll ask you. How did you solve this mathematical equation? You're going to say, I used my, my head and I solved it. I used my brain and I solved it. Then I'll ask you, who were you talking with when you solved this mathematical equation? So is you one thing and your brain another thing? Is there two of you or is it just one? How many of you is there? I used my head to solve the mathematical equation. You see, even in the simple language that we use, there are a concept of two here. But as I said to one once, I said to solve the mathematical equation, three things need to be present at the same time. Otherwise, forget about talking about solving any equations. One, you have to exist. Two, you have to be smart, wise, intelligent. Three, you have to be alive. Is your existence your brain? No. Is your brain your existence? No. Is your life your existence or your brain? No. But does that make you three people? No, I'm just one. But this one can't be just one because one, I exist. Two, I'm intelligent. Three, I'm alive. 
Before you talk about God being holy, God being light, God being mighty, God being great, God being uh, all these names, beautiful names. Before you talk about these names, God has to exist, God has to be smart, and God has to be alive. Without these three together, there is no holiness, there is no light, there is no greatness, there is no, no, nothing. So if God does not exist, where did this existence come from? Therefore, God exists. That's why He is the only being that existed within Himself. And that's why His existence has no beginning. Because the only way for me to be able to say to something has begun when something else preceded it. I don't know, am I... you following me? Yeah? I don't know. I hope so. The only way for something to say that it's begun when something else was pre-existent to it. If there is no one or anything else pre-existed God, therefore His beginning has no beginning. Because nobody began God's beginning. Therefore God exists. He brought everything into existence. The heavens, the earth, and every creation that is visible to the eye and invisible to the eye. Everything began by the Almighty God. He exists. The existence of God in the Christian faith, we interpret that as the Father. Now, the word Father in Hebrew or Aramaic or Syriac is Abba. When we, when we say the Lord's Prayer, we say, Abon Bashmayo, Awand Bashmayo. Yeah? So the word Abba in, in Hebrew or Syriac means the root to all roots, the foundation of all foundations, the existence of all existence. That's what the word means in the original text. So Abba, Father, means the source of existence, the root of all existence. That is the existence of God, Abba. Now, the intelligence or the intellect of God is the Son. And the Son of God is whom we refer to as Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Son of God is the intellect of God. That's why in the Gospel of John chapter 1, John refers to Jesus as the Word. Now, the New Testament is written in Greek. In the Greek language, the Word is called Logos. Now, the word Logos in Greek does not mean just a word. It means intellect, brain. So, therefore, Jesus Christ is the brain of God. That is the Son. And I'll tell you why He is called the Son. These are theological interpretations. God does not have a literal son. Far from it. Sometimes people take it in the physical sense and they say God has a son. So the son is the intellect, the logos, the brain. The life of God, the life of God is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God in His divinity is spirit. You ask a Muslim guy, he will tell you, that God is spirit. So the spirit of God 
is the life of God. The existence of God is Abba, the source. The brain of God or the, uh, the intellect of God is the Son. And then the life of God is the Holy Spirit because God is holy and He is spirit and the source of that life is His spirit. Now, why is Jesus Christ called the Son? Because it is the brain that gives birth to the Word. When we say words, when we talk, these words are being given birth by the brain. Since God speaks, therefore what gives birth to the Word is the brain. In this interpretation, Jesus Christ is the Son because He is the Word that was given birth by the brain. He is the brain and He is the born of the brain because He is the Word because God created everything with the Word. Except the human being. He did not create us with the Word. He created us with His own hands. If you read in the book of Genesis, which is the Old Testament, the very first chapter of the Old Testament. And chapter 1, if you read in there, it says it very clearly. It says in the beginning, now the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language. That's the original text. It's in, it's in Hebrew, Jewish language. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Hebrew, the word God is Elohim, Elohim. Now the word Elohim in Hebrew, it means the multiplication of the singular being. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you were with me? No? Yes, good, good. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Now, Elohim is the multiplication of the singular being. I'll give you an example. When, when a president of a great nation, when they stand and give a speech, they, they never talk in a singular format. They always speak in a pluralistic format. Why? Because the rank they hold, it is so awesome, it is so mighty, singular format is a weak language. So when a president of the United States of America stands and addresses the nation and the world, he never says, I, the president. He says, we, the president of the United States of America. He uses the word we, not I. Why? Because I is weak, but we is mightiness, is greatness. Because the rank I hold is an awesome rank. I speak with authority. I speak with power. I speak with greatness. When God came to create everything out of nothing, He called Himself Elohim. Because Elohim, the multiplication of one is mightiness. The multiplication of one is greatness. So when He came to create, He says, I am the Almighty God that creates out of nothing everything. This is me. This is what God is all about. God is mighty because He can do the impossible. So when I came to create, I called myself Elohim. And the reason why Elohim 
is a multiplication of a singular. And by the way, those who are here that have a good knowledge of the Arabic language, plural in Arabic starts from the number three. Plural in Arabic starts with number three. So Elohim is three in one and one in three. And that's why you'll see it in the very first chapter. This Elohim goes and starts talking. It says, and then Elohim saw. And then Elohim said. It's in the very first chapter. And then the spirit of Elohim was hovering over the waters. In the very first chapter of the book of Genesis, the Trinitarian God is very clear very clear God saw God said God hovered and created God the father saw God the son said because Jesus is the word so it is through Jesus Christ everything was created God the son said God the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters Trinity one God now, please, if I forget, just remind me about the waters. Why, why the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters? I'll tell you why. Scientifically, I'm going to talk, uh, not, not sort of spiritually. Even though the Holy Bible is not a scientific book, the terminology of the Holy Bible is not of a scientific terminology, but there is science in there as well. Now, this Trinitarian God is one. Just like I exist, I have a brain and I have a life. God, because He exists, He brought me into existence. Because He's intelligent, He put a brain in me. Because He's alive, He gave me life. Now, in the Gospel of John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus Christ is referred to as the Word. Now, the Word operates in three ways, just like we believe the Holy Trinity is three in one and one in three. So as the Word operates in three ways and it's still one word the first thing the word does reveals the speaker secondly it actually establishes relationship connects and number three gives an order commands that's what the word does no more no less the word reveals the speaker that's one number two it connects establishes relationship and number three gives an order if I sit here with you for hours and days and months and without end, and I say absolutely nothing to you, you will never be able to know what was in my head, what was in my heart. You will never know. The moment I start talking to you, you will get to know what was in my head and what was in my heart because the word reveals the speaker. When I speak, the invisible becomes visible. The unknown becomes known. The unreachable becomes within my reach. So since Jesus Christ is the intellect, Logos, is the intellect of God. So He is the fullness of God. So when Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when He spoke, God spoke. And when God spoke, He became an open book. I got to know what was in His mind and what was in His heart. Jesus spoke, God spoke. Therefore, the only way for me to get to know God, there is no other way for me to get to know God unless God Himself make Himself known to me.
No prophet, no good man, no saint can ever explain the fullness of God to me unless God himself do it. Does it? Why? Because God is the only being that is infinite. Every other beings are finite. The finite cannot explain the infinite. The limited being cannot explain the unlimited being. One day this young man, he started reading a lot of scientific books and he started having doubts about the Bible. He says the Bible has a lot of loopholes and shortfalls. Science explains everything and gives proof, tangible proof. I don't see God, I don't know if that's right or wrong. I said to him, if you are trying, if you are trying to understand God with your own intellectual capacity, then you are running after a mirage. It is a lie. You can never achieve that. Why? Because the only way for me to comprehend something is for me to be able to contain that something in my intellectual capacity. When we talk, we use the word understand. We use the word understand in our daily talk a lot. Yes, I understand, I understand, I understand. I don't understand. Now the word understand is two words in one. It is understand. That's what the word understand means. I'm saying to myself that I can only get it in my head, only I can get in this head all the things that are under my intellectual stand. Anything that is above my stand, I can never understand because I can only get what is under, not over. Now God, everything He does is above the stand. He never does anything under the stand. Now, for me to be able to understand God, it means that I have to be able to put God into my intellectual capacity. If the day comes when I'm able to contain God in my intellectual capacity, He is no longer God, I am God, because I will become greater than He. Therefore, I will never be able to fully understand God who operates and exists above the stand. And that's why the only way for me to understand God is for God to come and explain Himself to me. There is no other way. A prophet will bring me a message from God. That message is a, at its best, a drop in the ocean of this divine God. It is a drop. So for a prophet, to explain God to me, it is beyond impossible. Therefore, God is still obscure, unknown, unreachable. And as long as God is unknown to me, then don't talk about worshiping God. Because you're lying. That is why Jesus Christ, He is either God or He is absolutely nothing. I will not accept for someone to come and tell me that Jesus Christ is a prophet only. Out of the question. I will not accept that Jesus Christ is a holy man of God. Unacceptable. I will not accept 
only one thing, but he is either God or he is absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I said about the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Scientifically, I'll give you a fact. Why did the Bible mention the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters? Looks like God did something to the waters that did not do in any, in a lot of other substances. Every, every substance expands in heat and contracts in cold. Every substance expands in heat and contracts in cold. Now, when a substance expands, it loses weight, becomes light. When it contracts, becomes heavy. It becomes heavy. Something has been done by God in the water. What happens to the water? When the temperature gets to the freezing levels, about four, three degrees Celsius, the water starts to freeze. Now, if it was to remain to contract in coldness, then the water, once it became ice, would have sunk because it becomes heavier than the liquid water and would have sunk. But what did God do? He hovered over the waters. He did something in the water that when the temperature gets to freezing temperatures, it reverses cycle. It actually expands in cold and contracts in heat once it reaches freezing temperatures. So what happens when it becomes at a freezing level, the water becomes ice. Since now it reverses cycle supernaturally, it reverses cycle at a freezing temperature, then it expands, it loses weight. That's why you will always see a block of ice floating in the water. Because in weight, it is lesser weight than the liquid water. You know why? Imagine if this, um, if this water was to contract in cold, then the surface of the ocean would have frozen and it contracted in cold, make, meaning became heavier, then that layer of freezing water would have sunk to the bottom. And then the surface would have frozen and sunk, frozen and sunk, frozen and sunk, and before we know it, the entire ocean becomes a block of ice, and you and I would not exist on the face of this planet anymore. Because did you know that 70% of our oxygen that we live on comes from the ocean, not from the land? 70%. Now one thing, for the water to become ice, look at this, God is amazing. Right? For someone to come and say there is no God, I say, mate, go and have a chocolate sundae or something. Right. Or when you go to Taranga Zoo, you see a, a chimpanzee, they say, hi, uncle. You. We came from apes. Okay, good stuff. Um, for the water to freeze, there is only one way for the water to freeze is to release the amount of salt that it contains in it. That's the only way for water to freeze. So when the temperature gets freezing, that surface of the ocean releases the amount of the salt in it to the next layer below it. Now for the second layer to freeze, now it has to, re to release the double amount of salt that's in it to the layer below it. That's why when you see the ocean cannot freeze entirely, why? Only a portion of it, 
because as the soul gets released from one layer to the other, it becomes multiplied over and over and over. To the tenth layer, there is ten times more amount of salt in it. Now, for that to actually freeze, it is impossible. Why? Because cold weather cannot penetrate ice. That's why the Eskimos in the Antarctica, where the temperature gets to minus 50, minus 60 degrees Celsius, their huts are made out of block of ice because cold weather cannot penetrate a block of ice. Outside is minus 60, inside that, that ice room is 23 degrees, beautiful, sunshiny day, just like the Gold Coast, brother. Amazing, our God. Amazing. Because He wants to preserve life on earth for you, my dear friend. Jesus Christ is the Word that operates in three ways. The Word reveals the speaker. Jesus came and spoke. God spoke. God became known. The essence of God. Jesus said, I am love. And they're all capital letters. L-O-V-E. I am love. I am love. I created you on the basis of love. And I, when you went away from me and you did your own stuff, because I'm love, I couldn't handle my love. So I had to come looking for you guys. I went crazy when I lost you. I could not live anymore happily ever after. So I had to come looking for that lost sheep. What have, what have you done? Where have you gone? Why did you miss? Why did you go away from your heavenly father? Why? I came down to say that since I am love and I created you on the basis of love, when you walked away from me, I came down and I gave my life for you to bring you back to me. Love sacrifices. You know, when you love someone, huh? Sargon meets uh, Rabqa. Or Saadiyah meets Husni. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to wake you up, you know, I've just been talking for too long. When, when you experience an earthly sort of love, you know, you love someone in your life and you love them really, really very deep, very deep, intimate love. You will do some crazy stuff, wouldn't you? Like you would not do it on a normal level, but you would go out of your way just to put a smile on your sweetheart's face. You'd remember all the important dates that, uh, that are important to, to him or to her. Valentine's Day has come, the big teddy bear with the big heart and the rose in the cylinder. And that plastic cylinder flies to her. And then Chanel and all the Versace and all these great brands, they fly to her. And then you make surprises. You go and hire a limousine and then you knock at her door and she comes surprisingly a big hammer 30 meter long vehicle with the big sabufa khabibi in the back seat you go downtown brother and surprise her with a great restaurant dinner and there is a vase with a rose and a violinist playing for you oh my darling you do crazy things and you are not embarrassed you are not ashamed people look at you and they say he is definitely insane liverpool mental hospital here we come but you don't get embarrassed you are absolutely on cloud nine. Why? Because all that matters to you 
I am making my sweetheart happy even if it means I diminish. Even if I suffer, even if I get hurt, even if I get humbled down and lowered and degraded, as long as my sweetheart is happy, that's my happiness. God is love. He does not see himself. He only sees himself in you. That's his problem. He loves you to death. That's why he died. When we stuffed up, he had to bring us back. The price was his life on the line. He said, I'll put it just to bring you back. God is love. He came to establish. He created everything on the basis of love. Now the word revealed the speaker. Now I get to know who this God is. He is all love. My question is, can this loving God come back and kill me, hurt me, destroy me, deceive me, lie to me, break me. Impossible. 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 You know why? Because love is love. You cannot say I love and then you go and hate someone. It is, it just can't exist. Can from one source of water come out sweet and sour water impossible it's either sweet or salty the two together it is impossible the same mouth cannot bless and then blaspheme it either blesses or blasphemes it either speaks the truth or the lie it is either the light or darkness the two together at the same time impossible now God is love he will never, ever hurt anyone. He will never, ever tell any one of you to go and hurt someone else. It is impossible, divinely impossible, because God cannot contradict himself. He can't go against himself, period. That's it. It's non-negotiable. Don't waste your breath. The second thing the word does, establishes relationship. Now... The first thing to a relationship, the first thing to a relationship is a name. You know, you meet someone, you want to sort of get closer to that someone, you go a bit shy, a bit kind of, you know, blushing, and they say, hi, my name is so-and-so, how are you, what's your name? So the very first thing to a relationship is the name. Jesus Christ came, he said, I'm love, I created you on the basis of love, now I came to enter with you in a relationship. That's what the word does. Through the word, you establish relationships. If I sit there absolutely silent, I can't get close to no one. One word, I need to go and talk. So, the second thing is, establishes relationship, and the first thing to the relationship is the name. Jesus came and he said, hi, I want to enter a relationship with you. Hi, my name is Jesus. Now in Hebrew is Yeshua. Yeshua, Yut for Yahuwah, Jehovah. Yeshua and Shua means Savior. So Yeshua or Jesus in the English translation means Jehovah the Savior. The word Yeshua is Hebrew. That's the original text. That's the original name. Yeshua is God the Savior. He said, hi, my name is God the Savior. Would you like to be a friend? with God the Savior. Hi, my name is Ammanuel, Emmanuel. Amman means with us, El, God. 
God is with us. Would you like to be a friend with God is with you? And then, if you say yes to this relationship, then the word will come back. And the third thing it does, it will give an order. If you say yes to Jesus, then Jesus will come back and say, then if you love me, then do what I ask you to do. Gives a command. So if I compare the Bible to all the religions of the world, just to go back to that question, that was about an hour ago. <laughs> it can't be the same God. Just impossible. Total different language. So there must be other gods. But we know one thing and we believe in one thing. There is only one true God. There is no gods. Gods are false. There's only one God. Now, guys, none of us here can say there is no love. I'm sure every one of us at some stage of their life have experienced some sort of a love in their life. Yeah? Love of a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, a friend. I experience love with action, with deeds. I can't see love in its own nature, but I can only see love when it's put into practice, into action. So we all of us experience love. Now here is the trick. Some people will say or ask, then if this God is all love and he is this mighty God who is in charge of everything and capable of everything, how come there are so many different belief systems in the world, different religions, and all this evil thing that is happening in the world. Couldn't he manage it? Or is he able to get everyone into the same track? There is a problem. Because wherever there is true love, there is freedom. Freedom is inseparable from love. It cannot, love cannot exist without freedom. You know why? Because to experience love, to taste love, to elaborate about love, to talk about love, you need to have freedom. Without freedom, you cannot experience love. It is only through freedom you are given the chance to experience that love. Because without freedom, you can't ask, you can't talk, you can't say nothing. You become a programmed machine. A programmed machine has no feelings, no emotions. Love is all feelings and emotions. Therefore, there has to be freedom with love, otherwise it cannot exist. Now, since we are able to ask, since we are able to feel, since we are able to express, since we are able to talk and share, therefore we are free. And since we are free, and freedom cannot be separated from love, the result is love is a choice is not something that is mandatory put on you. Since there is freedom, it's a choice. God gave you His love and He let you free to accept it and to reject it. And since God is holy, He cannot contradict Himself. Now the word holy, another name of God. Huh? One day we talk about all these beautiful names of God the most beautiful names that God desires us to live, to experience, and to cry out to Him are two. 
Love and Abba. Father, Daddy. He loves it when you call him Daddy. He loves it when you call him my love. God is holy. You know what holy is? Some people say when, he, when they hear the word holy, oh yeah, he's holy, you know, he's really clean, beautiful, nice suit. No, no blemishes, no scratches, no nothing is perfect. No. Holy means there is no ulterior motives to what he says, what he thinks, what he is, and what he knows. So what God is, what he knows, what he says, is exactly the same internally to the external part of him. He is holy, meaning what is inside of him is exactly what is outside of him. Holy means he can't change. That's what it means. What he is, who he is, what he says, what he thinks is the same. You come to us. We're not holy. You know why? It's not that because we don't do good stuff. No, we do good stuff, but we're not holy. Why? Because sometimes what we think is not what we say. So the moment what we think is not what we say, we are not holy. Because internally is not reflecting what is externally. Then we are no longer holy. But if what is in my heart is on my mouth, that is holiness. So God cannot change. Since He gave us His love, and in love there is freedom, therefore whatever God gives you, He gives you with a choice to make on it. He will never impose nothing upon you. If He imposes anything on you, then He is violating the very thing that He put in us, which is freedom based on love. And he can't violate it. That's why it is your choice to choose God. And to get to know this God, he needs to be revealed to you. Not through a prophet, not through a good man, not through a holy man. Only through God himself. That's the only way, my beloved. That's the only way. There is nothing greater than love. There is nothing more beautiful than love. There is nothing more precious than love. There is nothing. God killed himself on the cross in the flesh to give you life. He will never ever come and say, go and kill. But he says it only in one way. If you ever want to kill someone, then kill yourself for me. I, the Lord Jesus. And what does it mean by killing yourself for him? It means deny yourself, not literally go and hang yourself. It means deny yourself. Because what is death? Death is non-existence anymore. I do not exist anymore. The moment a person dies, he's no longer here. So it means self, total self-denial. That is the ultimate action. The supreme ethic is love. And the supreme action is humility. Humility is self-denial. We need to get to know this God. You know why? Because without knowing God, I cannot begin to love God. 
It is through knowledge you get to love. And as somebody said it once, he says, the greater the knowledge is, the greater the love is. And the greater the love is, the greater the knowledge is. The greater the knowledge and the love are, the greater the suffering is. Because the more I know, the more I love. And the more I love, the more I get to know. And the more I get to know and the more I get to love, the more I get hurt. I cannot love unless I know. If I don't know someone, how can I love that someone? I need to know that someone in order to love him. And when I start loving him, I get to know him more. And the more I know him and love him, the more I get hurt. We get hurt from the people that are the closest to us, not from strangers. A stranger can tell me a nasty word, it would not matter. But someone who is so close to me and tells me a nasty word, it shatters my heart, breaks me. Why? Because there is a great love and knowledge to that person. You were not expecting it to come from the one you love so harshly. Jesus, nothing breaks him but his love and knowledge for us. Don't hurt this heart. You go to the Lord or to this God and say, look, I don't know who you are. I've heard they say this God is Jesus Christ. Some people they say is Allah. Some people they say is Krishna. Some people they say whatever. I really want to get to know this true God who is somewhere up high. I don't know you. Can you please reveal yourself to me and tell me who you really are? Are you the God of the Bible or are you the God of the other books that are there in the world? God is capable of revealing himself to you and giving you that clarity. Very capable. But what needs to come from you is honesty. You need to come with an honest intention, really seeking the truth. In the moment you come with an honest intention, I can assure you the true divine God will show you the way. 100%. A million to a hundred. And I'll bet you on it with a fish burger and a chocolate sundae. The Lord God will reveal himself to you if you come with an honest intention and say to him, I want to see who this really God is, who this God is. He will come. He wants and no one but him. When God wanted to lead the Israelite nation out of Egypt, he sent them Moses. When God wanted someone to mourn for the Israelite nation, he sent them Jeremiah. When God wanted to send them someone of a great vision, he sent them Isaiah. But when God came to save a person, he sent no angel, no prophet. He showed up himself. Because when it comes to your own good well-being, he will come personally to deliver you. Because you are his image and likeness. You are the child of God. You are greater than any other one to come and save you. He comes himself. Ask for this God. Say, Lord, I'm lost. There is a lot of heavy burdens on me. There is a lot of unclear things in my life. There is a lot of confusion in my life. I don't know which path to take. I don't know which way to lead, to go. I don't know what to do. What is the purpose of my existence here on earth? What is expected of me to do? Am I here just to be a doctor, to be a scientist, to be a cleaner, to be a bishop? To, what is it about? What is this life all about? Please, Lord, 
show me the way and tell me what is the expectation of my very existence. He will. Be honest. He will. When you find Jesus, you'll find everything else and everyone else. Don't do it the hard way. Do it the smart way. Everything is in him. Don't go and gain everything. Gain him, you'll gain everything automatically. Jesus is saying right now to every one of you, he's saying, tell them that I love them. And also tell them that I was not coming tonight. I was not coming tonight. But the one who brought me tonight here is Jesus himself. He put me on my feet. I was absolutely tired. I was almost collapsing. I was very exhausted. Jesus put me on my feet. He made me realize at home that there was somebody coming here tonight. Jesus wanted to talk to that somebody. And Jesus is saying to that somebody, and that somebody, he's listening to me now, he realizes that this voice is meant for him or for her. Jesus is saying to that someone, I love you. Do not try to run away from me and do not try very hard to figure it out. Just let go and come back to me. I'll fix it. Tonight, the Lord sent me for someone, only one. There is someone very confused. Jesus saying to you, don't be. And don't be afraid. You can approach me anytime. Don't worry what the people are going to say. Don't worry what you're going to end up being. All you need to do is just to come to me. I am capable of protecting you. I am capable of looking after you. And I'm capable of fixing every issue that you have in your life. Christianity is not a religion. All other beliefs in the world are religions. Religions believe in actions and deeds. We believe in one person called Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Accept this person in your life. The rest will fall into place naturally. May the Lord Jesus bless you, guide you, and protect you always. Love the Lord from the heart. Jesus Christ is not Catholic, is not Orthodox, is not Protestant. Jesus Christ is God. He is the truth, nothing but the truth, the whole truth. So help you, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Love this guy from the heart, and your life is in a very well-capable hands. No one can snatch nothing from the hands of the Lord. Your life will be guaranteed if you put your life in his hands. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, young people, you know, have fun, but take Jesus with you. Don't leave him at home, right? And don't hang around Mecca's for too long. And don't sit in these uh, big speed, you know, fast cars with the big subwoofer for Khabibi in the back seat. And don't listen to this Eminem rap, you know, put some religious hymns. Stop listening to worldly music. And especially the Assyrian music. And I'll finish it off on this. You know, we go and buy these CDs and cassettes and I don't know what else there is out there for 10, 20, 50 bucks. And this singer comes along and he says, you are the moon in my night. That's Assyrian songs. I'm, I'm translating it literally.
you are the moon in my night and you go and you melt you girl melt and you say oh how sweet my heart is aching and what he really is saying to you he has just taken $50 out of your pocket and gave you nothing but lies and he really offended you because if he actually compared you to a moon then he is literally saying to you that you are nothing but a dead dark object full of holes because that's what the moon is is a dead dark object full of holes I, I don't need to be your moon in the night I want to be the star in the sky in the heaven of Jesus Christ huh? so enough listening to these songs listen to some words that will build you up spiritually these songs may they make you live a fantasy a dream you will never live reality I die for you you're lying brother you don't die for me when death comes you'll be the first one running for your life bro <laughs> you'll forget about me but when you come to the Lord Jesus there is nothing but absolute truth and clarity Jesus says I die for you and he did it's not just words it's action followed up by an action come to the Lord listen to these beautiful words of the Lord Jesus put it in your car put it in your iPhone listen to it all the time then you will be refreshed you will have the mind and the thought of God in you you will walk likewise may the Lord Jesus bless you guide you and protect you always Jesus is the way the truth and the life no one else but him let's stand for the finale prayer please guys in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit one God Amen Lord make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred let me so love where there is injury pardon where there is doubt faith where there is despair hope where there is darkness light where there is sadness joy O divine master grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life Amen may the Lord Jesus bless you guide you and protect you now and forevermore Amen